0: good all right we're good i'm going to put this over here i'll use this a little bit later all right how many of you are morning people <laughs> how many of you are night people <laughs> i hate you morning people <laughs> thank god i didn't marry a morning person i'd already killed her and uh, we're not morning people we're both night people we um uh, uh, I have to admit, now at age sixty-one, I'm probably a little more afternoon person. But uh, but anyway, we're night people. We uh, we operate at night. I think at night, I went to work thirty-nine years ago for a man who's who is the epitome of morning person. All right. Uh, I think at age eighty-eight, he turned eighty-eight last Friday. I think at eighty-eight, I think they still get up at five forty-five. And before COVID, he and his wife went to the gym at uh, at six fifteen. He was. He is methodical. So when he hired me in 1981, I said, preacher, uh, and I still call him preacher. I said, preacher, I said, uh, um, could, could I come in to work at noon? He said, what did you say? I said, could I come in at work at noon? I said, if you let me come in at work at noon, I'll work till 4 a.m. And, uh, and, and he said, what? <laughs> no, you'll be here at uh whatever i think i remember what, back in those days i think it was seven we've changed a little bit since he retired it's now eight thirty. but anyway uh but uh, but anyway and you know he was just morning 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 and but of course he doesn't you know well of course he didn't ever send out uh emails but you know he doesn't you know some of my staff when i said pastor that email you sent me came in at 2 a.m i said yeah i was up doing some things and getting some things done and uh because i just you know i'm i'm a night person and uh And that's just the way i'm programmed Uh, we trained all three of our children to be night people thank god Uh, matter of fact the way we punished our oldest son uh, in the morning second grade he was getting he was really slow about we would turn the lights on in his room and uh, that was the punishment of all punishments because he hated those lights and uh, all we had to do was flip the light switch on he didn't know he had no lights on and uh but uh, anyway so i'm i'm okay to be here in the morning because I've already had coffee amen Uh, preacher took us to first wake and uh, I had an omelet and coffee Amen. first yeah so I said first watch Uh, if I make another mistake she'll help me too but anyway no so uh, we balance each other but anyway first watch and it was great and uh, we're glad to be here thank you brother Keeley Uh, we met the Keeleys I don't know what time I'm supposed to be through Okay, it doesn't really matter. If it's 11 o'clock, i got nine minutes. Y'all can just forget it. Uh, uh, so we met the Keeleys. We may have met before. I'm not for sure. Uh, just going in and out of West Coast. But the way we remember meeting them was we met them 16 years ago. You say, how do you know it was 16 years ago? Uh, because we were on our 25th anniversary trip. And uh, was it your 20th? Okay. And Sharon... Uh, loves the desert. Now, I know that doesn't sound very romantic, but she loves the desert. So for our 25th anniversary, I took her uh, to Phoenix, and we walked into church on a Wednesday night, and the Keeleys were there. I think it was the church you may have gotten saved in, I think. Is that right, Joel? Just grew up in. Okay, and, um, and so uh, we met them uh, there on a Wednesday night, uh service and uh that's really where i remember getting acquainted with them and i'm glad they're here uh we were just here sharon and i back in uh november uh we have uh we have another ministry couple who lives in indiana that we met long story short many years ago at conferences we just got to being together uh their daughter uh you'd have to know her she's really an adopted daughter and um, she contacted my wife and said my parents are so boring um she said would you and pastor raven mind helping my parents get out of their box. And uh, so we suggested it. And so every other Thanksgiving now, we vacation together that week. And uh, the first time, we just went to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, just to see if we could get along. You know, when you live in a house with people that you don't live with, you're not for sure it's going to mesh. Well, it meshed. And so now we've been to Pigeon Forge, and the next year went to San Juan, and then they've never been to New York City. Sharon and I go, well, up to covid we went every year for the last 18 years because we have a church school and we take our seniors on their senior trip. And, uh, and so um, we took them to New York City. And then this year, we came to Fort Lauderdale and the uh, Miami area. And boy, we just, we, I'd never been to the Everglades. So we went to the Everglades, that was cool. And uh, we went down to Miami, somewhere down Miami, and took a Segway tour. Now, I'm, I'm not the most athletic person in this room, I promise you. And I wasn't for sure, but that was awesome. Have you ever taken a seg, ridden a Segway? Man, you just, yeah, you just lean forward, it goes forward, you stand up straight, it stops, you turn this way, it turns, and, man, it was super bad cool. And uh, we went out on uh, some little island out there where all rich people live. I don't know what the thing, huh? I don't know yeah yeah Star Island yeah we went over the bridge on that Segway in the walkway part and went through Star Island it just makes a loop is all we went on anyway I think that's always there so anyway so yeah I know how it is you live in your own area you never see it right I mean you know we don't we don't know much about Raleigh just we have the capital I can take you down and show you the capital and show you a few museums but anyway so but uh, but anyway we we found a Groupon how many of you like Groupon coupons hey man we found a group on and got a good deal. And uh, so um, we, we, uh, we love to travel. Uh, and so we're glad to be here, though, glad to be with you. Thank you. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You don't really know me, but, but thank you for investing your time and your effort and probably maybe some money. You may have to pay somebody to babysit or whatever to be, be here. And I, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Um, you know, when you go to a, a meeting like this, you, you're talking to people that at least are interested in getting some encouragement and help. You know, I mean, sometimes in church you're not sure. You're not sure if they just show up because they got to. You know, what I mean, you probably have never done that, but anyway, you know, just kind of sit there and go through it. We're here. It's Sunday. We're supposed to be here. Okay. He's through, praise God. All right, let's move on. Um, uh, but, you know, in a, in a marriage retreat, um, you know, you've got people that are, are willing at least to listen and want to learn. And, um, you know, anything uh, I've learned in these 41 years of marriage, it's all a learning experience. And and I don't come here, and Sharon will speak tomorrow to the ladies, uh, we don't come because we're experts, we're not Uh We don't come because we got all the answers we don't uh we come just because we have an opportunity to try to be a help to you and i tell the people at beacon baptist all the time when i point one finger at you i point three back at me and there's probably no area that's more true than the area of marriage and family and um uh it's it's not a lack of knowledge (laughs) it's a lack of will and and I, I, I really believe in most of our, our our good Bible preaching, Bible believing churches, it's not really knowledge. It it's desire. And um uh, and so I, I really just wanna I just wanna come alongside of you these few days, uh, a couple of days really, and just encourage you and just help you and um and just, you know, be all I can be. Hey, Albert here, I'm at AA. A. They I have all these dumb ways to remember people's names, Albert and Angie, so anyway, we were talking, I don't know how we even said it, but anyway, somehow we said something about Eastern Europe and I said, man, I've been to Moldova. Uh, we have, we, the Lord's been good at our church in the 23 years that I've been pastor, we've planted six churches and I really thought we would start in Raleigh and plant that one, but anyway, we started in Kishino, Moldova. Uh, I went there in 1998 on a missions trip and when I go to a foreign country, I go praying that God will lead me to a, a man that's willing to go plant a church somewhere, a national. And so I met uh, I met Brother uh, Simeon Placenta, and uh, and we found an area of Kishino, which is the capital city of a million people. The telecentral unit didn't have one Baptist church in it. I'm not talking about any stripe of Baptist church. All right. And uh, and so um, so anyway, God melted our hearts together. And long story short, um, Simeon uh, migrated to the United States. And now Brother Cornell Sabala has been the pastor there for. Um, 18 years and um and so we were talking and so albert said oh man he said i just got this book about churches in moldova and and so he brought it to me today and and of course it's all orthodox churches but uh, you know it's a beautiful country Mold- any, any of you ever been to moldova any of you know where moldova is okay <laughs> it's in eastern europe it's a uh, Ukraine, you, you know, that's in the news sum. It's right next to Ukraine. It's landlocked. But it was the breadbasket of the Soviet Union. Uh, their soil is, is, is almost as dark as that curtain. Uh, it's unbelievable what they could grow there. And they really fed the whole Union in the days of communism. And of course, <laughs> days of communism aren't, though, so their president's a communist. Their parliament, basically controlled by the communists. But, um, but but anyway, thank you, Albert. And uh, if you want to see my book, you can. It'll be a dollar of you. But uh, <laughs> Albert gave it to me, but I've got to make money, you know. So anyway, no, I'm joking. So uh, But uh, but anyway, you know, it, it's just a wonderful thing to be in the Lord's work. And, uh, you know, if you'd have told me, I grew up in, did I mention last night I grew up in L.A.? I don't know if I did or not, but I did. I grew up in L.A. Uh, no, that's not Los Angeles, if you're thinking that. It's Lower Alabama. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we, we were at Disneyland several years ago and, uh, the security guard said, where are you from? You know, cause my, my, I reckon was the way I was speaking. And uh, I said, LA, he said, you're not. I said, I am. He said, not sir. I said, I am offended. He said, you are. I said, yeah, because I am from LA. He said, no, 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 you're not. I said, lower Alabama. He said, you got me. And, uh. But anyway, that's what my dad tells everybody. But anyways, right above the Panhandle, of Florida, Dothan, a little town called Dothan. Uh, we really thought the Panhandle was part of the state of Alabama, but they, y- y'all claim it. I mean, you put your capital up there, so it must be important. But um, and so uh, you know, but uh, but anyway, I just I love traveling, and I love I love being around people, meeting new people. I like the, people are interesting, aren't they? Do Do you ever do any people watching? Yeah, <laughs> Walmart. That's a good. That's an interesting place. Uh, uh, I do the Walmart runs in our family. Sharon doesn't go to Walmart. She doesn't like standing in line. She doesn't like check out an hour later. And uh, so I, Tuesdays, up my day off. So every Tuesday, I go to Walmart. People know me by name. We we get along. All the greeters, you know, David Cyrus, uh, Apolline. Al, Al, uh, we we all we we're we're tight. And uh, and so uh, so you know. But, uh, but I, just, I just like watching people, and when Sharon and I went and visited Raleigh in May of 1981 to try to determine God's will for our life, one of the things we did is we went to the mall, I told Sharon, I said, let's go to the mall, she was really excited, the mall? I said, yeah, we're just going to go and sit down and watch people walk by and see if these are the people God would like for us to come minister to someday, and, uh, and so uh, I just love people, I love, I love being around people, I love meeting new people. Um, oh, I've lost your name from Columbia. I've got it. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, no, Mandy was the other couple. Um, Nancy, no. Um, help me, huh? Jen. That's what I thought. Jen, Jen. ah, it's exactly what I thought. And uh, she said she's from Columbia. I said our teenagers are Our teenagers make mission trips every summer. Our ninth and tenth graders always go stateside. Our eleventh and twelfth graders always go international. And they were supposed to go to Columbia this uh, this year. And COVID killed all of that. And uh, so anyway, but, uh, but I, I enjoy people, enjoy being around people, and, and uh, I hope you uh, just have a great time. I hope the Lord helps us to learn some things, and I want to learn some things, and I hope you do, too, you know. Did you hear about the perfect couple? Perfect man, the perfect woman, did you hear about them? Of course, they met each other. They had a perfect wedding. Yeah. Had a perfect marriage finally started having children they had perfect children so if you have children you have a perfect marriage you go buy the perfect car grand caravan (laughs) so they're riding on their grand caravan on a snowy christmas eve night terrible weather when all of a sudden on the side of the road santa claus is broken down in his sleigh well being the perfect man the perfect woman they immediately stop and offer to help him and he said you'll help me i said yeah he said they said let's load up the toys and put them in here in the van and we'll we'll deliver everything man let's go so they did wasn't very long weather conditions worsened They had a wreck There's only one survivor. You know who the survivor was? No, it's a perfect woman. The perfect man and Santa Claus don't exist. <laughs> but you know who was driving? Perfect woman. <laughs> All right. So, we'll take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 24. I think maybe the preacher already told you. Did He tell you Genesis 24. And uh, and so, you know, just want to be a help. Hey, I thought about it a while ago. Really, just a few months ago, this could have been the prize for everything we won. <laughs> uh, we have, we have a place that changes our oil, and uh, they usually put you a little gift up on the dash. And so during COVID, they gave you a toilet paper had to wrapped around it. Thank you for getting your oil changed, and they put a. <laughs> so, That was awesome who would have ever thought that toilet paper would be in demand I mean in North Carolina when we have snow this is this is when we call for the possibility of snow we don't have to have any snow we don't we don't have to see flakes it could be 50 degrees and they say it's going to snow when you go to Walmart and the grocery stores there's no milk and bread but this winter There'll be no milk and bread and toilet paper, I reckon, because everybody, I didn't even know COVID was a digestive disease till till you know, we ran out of toilet paper. And uh, no, no. And so, uh, you know, we could have given that away for a prize and all of us have been happy. <laughs> we got another roll. <laughs> uh, anyway, but, um, but, you know, life changes, doesn't it? You know, I, I now refer to life as pre and post COVID, which I know it's not over. I'm not. And please don't think I'm making light of the disease. I have some friends that have been very sick, and uh, and so I'm not making light of it. But anyway, toilet paper became a hot commodity, and uh, who would have ever thought it, right? So uh, you're there in Genesis 24. I'm going to talk to you on the subject this morning. There are no perfect marriages. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together? Thank you, Father. For the time that we uh, have to be together uh, today, tonight, tomorrow, thank you for last night. Thank you for the kindness of these dear people here and the invitation of Pastor Keeley to come and be here. And Lord, I, I pray that you'd help me to be a help, an encouragement, a strength. Lord, we know that when we come face to face with truth, we have to make a decision and your blessings are found where Submission Street intersects with Truth Avenue. So so as we come to that intersection, Lord, help us to submit to you. Help me, Lord. I, I'm not here uh, because we have a perfect marriage. There are no such things. I'm, I'm here simply to try to be a help. And so help me today and help Sharon tomorrow. And uh, Lord, just... Strengthen us in you, in our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, here in Genesis 24, you may be familiar with this passage of Scripture. Um, what, what we have is we have Abraham wanting his son Isaac to have a wife. And, um, of course, in that day, as it's still in some countries... Well, marriages were arranged, you know. We, we uh, the, the American concept of marriage really is kind of a, a novel concept, really, uh, in the way we do it and those things. But it, it was an arranged marriage. And, and, and when you look at it, it it's it's really overwhelming. I'm, I've given you multiple verses there. We won't have the time to look at them. But, but let's look at, let's read it just to get the context, okay? So, um, Abraham sends his servant... Eliezer the chief steward of his household to find Isaac a wife so look at verse 10 it says and the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor he made the camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening Even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, show kindness in thy master. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water, and let it come to pass, that the damsel to whom I say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master you say oh man that that really sounds romantic uh well well, it was you know he went out there went this place he didn't know about gets this well and 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 the request to you and i may seem kind of simple but it really wasn't a simple request now i'm i'm not a camel expert okay but but if the people i read after understand what they propose that they understand about camels do, do, do you know how How many gallons of water a camel can drink in three minutes? Anybody got a guess? You want to guess? A lot. That's it. Uh, uh, The average camel, I'm told, can consume 53 gallons of water in three minutes. So how many does he have? Ten. So let's just say she just gave him three minutes worth of water. That's 530 gallons. And, and, And let's understand that there's no modern water system. It's a well of water. And if you've ever been to the Holy Land, no, I'm not talking about Alabama, I'm talking about Israel there. Uh, if you've ever been to the land of the Bible, uh, Sharon and I was just there last November, had 29 folks from our church go with us. And we had a wonderful time. But their wells are way down in the ground. You have to ascend stairs to get down to the well to get the water. Let's just say she could put five gallons on her head at a time. Do you understand the number of trips it took her to water 10 camels? Who, what a woman. You know, I mean, what a woman. And, and, and Eliezer makes his prayer. Rebecca fulfills the prayer. She does exactly what he asked the Lord to send to him. And, and, and so there. They're together you're there in genesis 24 look down to verse 32 he's now gone home with her and it says he came the man came into the house he ungirded his camels gave strong provender for the camels water wash his feet the men's feet that were with him There were set meat before him to eat but he said i will not eat until i've told mine errand. and he said speak on this is her brother and so he begins to explain and of course they're relatives and he tells how God's blessed his master and about how he came to the well and how he made this prayer and how God answered the prayer in Rebekah. And it's just overwhelming what, what transpires. So going to verse 50, then Laban and Bethuel answered him and said, the thing proceeded from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee, bad or good. Behold, Rebekah's before thee take her and go and let her be thy master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken and it came to pass that when abram's Abraham's servants heard these their words he worshiped the Lord bound himself to the earth and I mean God was just in that whole thing but you get down to verse 55 and the brother and her mother ask well couldn't she stay here a little bit before she goes with you and uh, he says no don't don't stop me verse 56 and they said we'll call her and we'll ask her and so verse 58 says they called Rebecca said to her well I'll go with this man and she said look at those last three words I will go she's going with a man she just met the day before at the well to a land where she's never been to marry a man she's never seen Wow and, and, and I think that statement there that uh, laban and Bethuel made in verse 50 this thing proceeded from the lord (laughs) it is so very evident i mean it just all falls together and so here we go to verse 64. and rebecca lifted up her eyes and when she saw isaac she lighted off the camel i don't think that was a cigarette either but anyway trying to wake two of you up really bad Uh, for she had said unto the servant, I know you, you non-mourning people are struggling right now. You, I don't even know who came up with the idea of the pastor standing and everybody else sits there in the preaching. How backwards is that? You know? Well, maybe I should sit and you should all stand up. Huh? All right, well, okay. You didn't like that idea until I'd that didn't go over. We're not even going to vote. All right, here we go. Verse 65, for she said to the servant, what man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, it is my master her man therefore she took a veil and covered herself and the servant told isaac all things that he had done and isaac brought her into his mother sarah's tent took rebecca she became his wife and he loved her and isaac was comforted after his mother's death death open statement number one someone may have said have you heard about the perfect marriage between isaac and rebecca have you heard about the perfect marriage between Isaac and Mary? Uh, this amazing young lady willing to go to this land to marry this man, what a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> now, you and I live thousands of years after these events, all right? So we know, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. A little while they could have no children. Then God gave them children, they were twins where's that somebody i met last night has twins are you okay but they're girls boy and a girl okay i'm sorry okay all right so so they have these two boys these two boys are as opposite as day and night you know I, i used to hear people say that no two children are alike and i used to think that's probably not really too intelligent of a statement until we had our second child. And then I realized how true it was. I should have known how true it was. I have a sister, and I'm such a kind, loving, respectful, obedient child, and then my sister. And, and so I should have known we're not all alike, right? And, uh, no, I'm joking. I love my sister. But anyway, she takes care of my mom and dad. She lives just a quarter mile from mine. I have to rejoice in that. But, uh, but they have these two kids. I want you to fast forward with me. Go to chapter twenty-seven. Look at verse five. And Rebecca heard when Isaac spake to Esau, his son. Esau is the son that Isaac favors. Jacob's the son that Rebecca favors. And, and it says in verse five. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison to bring it. And Rebecca. Spake to Jacob, her son, saying, I heard your father say to Esau, you bring me venison, make me savory meat. I'm going to bless you. And she convinces Jacob to deceive his father. And statement number two, the perfect marriage has blown up. <laughs> you know why? Because there are no perfect marriages. There's no perfect people. So when you put imperfect people together instead of getting better the greater possibility is it gets worse. Now it doesn't have to but but when you bring two people from two different family units and two different maybe even backgrounds and two different and and you put them together in a house you're talking about the possibility of explosion. (laughs) I I, uh, I told you last night, I think Sharon and I do all of our marital counseling together. I do all the premarital counseling by myself. It's just the way we started all these many years ago, and that's just the way I've continued. But, you know, I, when, you're sitting, when you're sitting with a young couple that's about to be married, they think that everything I'm talking about applies to everybody but them. Because their view... Of marriage is the two of us are going to climb on the love boat and we're going to sell off into wedded bliss <laughs> and then just a few weeks later they have their first contention you know either the love boat has been torpedoed or it's gotten in bad hurricane weather and there are a lot of difficulties and there are a lot of problems and and, and, and I always say to them during the counseling session somewhere, and I, I said, in about six months, what I'm telling you is going to really help you. You're going to think, Pastor mentioned that. <laughs> because, because, you know, when you come together, there's, there's really more making for problem than there is solution. Because we're prone, every one of us, To want our way. If you were to ask me, the number one enemy of a happy home is selfishness. And I I tell couples all the time, here's the biggest change in marriage. Life goes from me to we. It's no longer about me, I, mine. It's about us, ours. And, And all kinds of monsters attack our home. Just the divorce culture of America. Did you know that in the United States, one divorce is granted every 36 seconds? That's over 100 divorces divorces an hour, 24 divorces a day, 16,800 a week, 876,000 a year. You know what the average age of divorce is? 30 years of age, 8 years of marriage. All kinds of things. Sexual permissiveness of our days. And you and I, if we're not careful, we buy into that love boat mentality. And so what I want to do this morning as I talk to you about there are no perfect marriages. I I want to destroy three myths that I'm afraid we easily buy into that can help us understand that it's going to take a... You know know why people don't have a good marriage? They will not spend the time and put in the effort. That's the reason people don't have good children. They won't spend time with their children, and they don't put the effort into rearing them. (laughs) And children left to themselves go to demise, destruction, because they're born sinners just like you and I were born a sinner. So here's three myths. Let's destroy. Number one, the happily ever after myth. The happily ever after myth. Uh, we we believe the Snow White Cinderella story. You know, we 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 have come to think you know marriage is a fairy tale. <laughs> if that's true, then um, I I didn't get in the right commitment. <laughs> it's it's not a fairy tale it's it's not a here we go never a problem nope no explosions no ripples no difficulties no division no contention no the, the the more likely scene is not long after marriage she throws a temper tantrum because she doesn't get something she wants so he goes buys golf clubs very expensive ones to show her that he's the man of the house and he can do what he wants so she goes and she buys a bunch of dresses that she doesn't even need with money they don't even have. And he, you know, you, you understand the scenario? You, I know none of you have ever done that. I understand that. I'm, I'm talking to those other people like in premarital counseling. All right. But anyway, yeah, we all understand. it. We, we all understand that, that marriage is not just a simple here we go Nothing's ever going to be wrong. I'll give you that first statement there. The truth is, marriage is a lot like life. There are good days. Absolutely. If there wasn't, what would we do? But there are some tough days. There are some days where Sharon and I wake up on the same page. There are other days one of us get out of the wrong side of the bed. I always get out of the left side. She always gets out of the right side. I don't know which one's the right side to get out of sometimes, right? There are some days where where life just comes at you, and it comes at you quick, and and, and there there are periods of happiness, but there are periods of frustration. There's bliss and there's misery. Here's a statement I heard, and I have no idea who is the origin of this statement, but it's a very great statement. A wedding is an event. A marriage is an experience. A wedding takes a few minutes. A marriage takes a lifetime. Because all of us encounter certain challenges of life. And statement number two no mate is able to com- completely meet all of your needs all of the time in your life. What, what are the basic needs every one of us have? Talk to me a minute. It's okay? It's all right talk, Brother Keeley. I'm okay there. Okay. All right. All right. So t- tell me what do you think. It, mankind's basic needs, I think there are three of them, but, but what would you say? What do you think everybody needs? Food. Food. Sleep. sleep. Compassion. Compassion. Is that what you, you to say? Okay. Affection. Money, affection, affection love, care. huh? Care. Care. care, uh, air, relationship. relationship. Okay. I, I would say in a marriage, here are three basics: love, acceptance, acceptance, and care. Forgiveness is a great one. I think somebody said forgiveness bacon. You know, Ruth, Ruth, Ruth Bell Graham was once asked how her and Billy Graham had such a great, ma- a great marriage, and she said both of us are good forgivers. <laughs> we all need love. We all need acceptance. You know what? People go into marriage thinking, I'm going to fix him. Ladies do. And guys go in it I'm gonna improve her most likely neither happen why because that next statement I want you to get it only the Lord Jesus can meet all I don't know what I put there all the basic needs of your life all of the time only the Lord Jesus can meet all the basic needs of your life all the time. I'll I'll give you a little illustration here. All right? When you come in to this world, here you are, but you're incomplete. You know what some people think? Some people think, well, if I could get a wife or I could get a husband, they could fill me up. You you know, I don't believe that your wife or husband will fill you up. This is what I think a husband or wife does. I think a husband or wife just add a little fizz. Sure. Sure. If you were to ask me tonight, today, uh, does Sharon make you happy? No. She's not the source of my joy. She's a mother of our joy, but she's not the source of my joy. Sure, can she add or subtract from my happiness? Oh, yeah, she's added a lot of fizz to life. But, but you know the only person who can fill you and I up? is the Lord God of heaven himself and if you don't know Jesus today your life's going to be empty I don't care what you add you can add in food color and you can add in anything you want to your life is empty my life is empty apart from God a husband or wife does not bring absolute fulfillment oh they bring fears absolutely I have tried so many things in life because I married Sharon, like roller coasters. I didn't ride roller coasters, but I finally did. Sharon could tell you probably the day I I finally got on a roller coaster. All right? Yes, husband and wife can add fizz, but they cannot bring fulfillment. There are no happily ever after marriages. And, and I think sometimes we fail to say that to people as they marry, and, and they, that's the reason they get this illusion with marriage. I didn't know we was going to have this conflict. Well, sure you are. <laughs> do, do, do you, did you know this? You probably do. Some of you, I can tell you're very intelligent. Do you know that everybody doesn't know to squeeze the toothpaste tube from the bottom? <laughs> Sharon's one of those. She grabs it right in the middle my word what is she doing well we solved that we buy two tubes. say hey man I still do it the biblical way and she does it the way of the world <laughs> yeah. Yeah. she didn't know that toilet paper only rolls off the top but but I helped her and encouraged her in the faith we made it why, why? because they're, they're just gonna be there is no happily ever after there is no, we're not going to have any problems. No, marriage is a lot like life. Statement number two, or myth number two, the computer marriage myth. The computer marriage myth. I'll give you that opening statement there. Some... Think that marriage is like a computer. If you follow basic guidelines, everything will work out right in your marriage. The first one is the false concept: marriage is like a fairy tale. The second one is marriage is like a formula. You know, if we just put these basic components in, we we can we can make it. Here, here here's a letter somebody gave me years ago. Now said. Um, it says, dear tech support, last year I upgraded from girlfriend 7.0 to wife 1.0. I soon noticed that the new program began unexpected child processing that took up a lot of space and valuable resources. In addition, wife 1.0 installed itself in all other programs and now monitors all system activity. Applications such as football 5.0, hunting and fishing 7.5, and NASCAR racing 3.6 no longer operate properly. I can't seem to keep Wife 1.0 in the background while attempting to run my favorite applications. I'm thinking about going back to Girlfriend 7.0, but the uninstall doesn't seem to work on Wife 1.0. Can you help me? Thanks, a troubled user. Tech supports answer, dear troubled user. This is a very common problem that men complain about. Many people upgrade from Girlfriend 7.0 to Wife 1.0 thinking that it is a utilities and entertainment program in bold letters, WIFE 1.0 is its own operating system and is designed by its creator to run everything. (laughs) It is impossible to delete WIFE 1.0 and return to girlfriend 7.0. It is impossible to uninstall, It is impossible to purge your program files for once the system WIFE 1.0 is installed, it is there forever. You cannot go back to Girlfriend 7.0 because Wife 1.0 is designed to not allow this. Some have tried Girlfriend 8.0 or Wife 2.0 but only end up with more problems. Look look in your Wife 1.0 manual under Warnings, Alimony, Child Support. I recommend you keep Wife 1.0 and work on improving the situation. I suggest installing the background operation, yes dear 1.2 to alleviate software augmentation the best course of action is to enter the command c colon backslash apologize because ultimately you have to give the apologize command before the system will return to working wife 1.0 is a great program but it tends to be very high maintenance wife 1.0 comes with other such several pro Support programs is Clean and Sweep 3.0, Cook It 5.0, Do the Bills 4.2. However, to be very careful how you use these programs. Improper use will only cause to launch the program Nag Nag (laughs) 9.5. Once this happens, the only way to improve the performance of Wife 1.0 is to purchase additional software. I recommend Flowers 2.1, Diamonds 5.0. Warning, warning... Do not, under any circumstance, install Girlfriend 8.0. This application is not supported by WIFE 1.0 and will cause irreversible damage to the operating system. Best of luck. <laughs> but we're really not a program. You know what we are? We're people. And you know what people have? Complexity. We have a lot of complexity. When I was in Bible college, we were in chapel one day and Sharon and I weren't married. I think it was my sophomore year of college. And this man comes into this Christian college and he preaches on marriage. Well, all the college students are interested in the subject, all right? Particularly those of us who are single. So that day I stay awake in chapel on purpose. And, uh, And I'm listening to this guy all of a sudden he makes this statement which i thought at the moment he made it that is the dumbest statement that any one man has ever uttered in his lifetime i thought this man must live on mars he doesn't know anything about life you say what in the world is the statement that's what i'm trying to, i'm trying to intrigue you in my statement all right he said on the marriage night no other well, than that immediately Woke up two or three more folks in the chapel. Six people climb into the marriage bed. Wow, huh? I'm thinking, huh? That's not the way I've been told. He said six people climb into the marriage bed. Her, her mom, her dad, him, his mom, and his dad. Now, I'm telling you, as an 18, 19-year-old college student, I thought, "This, this guy's crazy. But you know what? He was a lot more true than I ever imagined. When Sharon and I came together 41 years ago, July the 27th, 1979, she brought into her that marriage 17 years of living in the Ammons household. That night, I brought 20 years of living in the Rabin household. And we came together with all of our peculiarities. With all of our pluses, with all of our minuses, with all of our good, with all of our bad. And now we have one new family unit. But that doesn't erase all that's ever happened to us. That doesn't do away with the way I've watched my mom and dad communicate, the way she's watched her mom and dad communicate, the way we've seen them act, the way we've seen them react. You fellas, I, I don't know how it is to be a lady, never been one, don't have any desire to be one, but I'm not confused about gender. There's only two, all right? But, uh, but but uh, but you know, you, you, you ever done something and all of a sudden shook your head like that and said, that's exactly what my dad would have done. <laughs> you know, I've done that. I've caught myself reacting just like my dad used to react to a certain situation. I've caught myself saying things that my dad used to say. Still does say. He's still here. He's 85. But, but. I, you know why? Because that's that's who we are and when we come to marriage we, we have to blend those two things together. So if if marriage is not a formula then statement number B there, you and your mate are not programs in a computer. You're not programs in a computer. You're people. You're, you're You're people that come together in a new relationship. And that new relationship has a lot of complexities. You know what Peter said? He said it to us, men. But I think I can make application to you ladies. He said in 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to, anybody know the next word? Knowledge. Dwell with your wives. You know what that means? That means I'm supposed to learn her. I'm supposed to learn what makes her tick. I know what ticks her. (laughs) But but I'm supposed to learn what what makes her tick. I'm supposed to learn why she thinks the way she does. Why she acts the way she does. Why she reacts the way she does. If you've been married, I didn't ask you how many. How many of you have been married ten years or less? Ten years or less. All right. How many of you have been married eleven to twenty years? How many of you have been married twenty-one to forty years? How many of you have been married forty-one years or more? Just Sharon and I. All right. So. You, you, you know, the longer we live together, the more I learn about. I, I, I've learned so many things every once in a while I, I realized man I didn't really know that now I know a lot of things I've learned she's done before she's told me before and I didn't learn them but but you know what we're, we're two people and we have two different personalities we, we have two different perspectives, but we're also one because when we said, I do, we did, and we have been doing for 41 years. So, so you've got to understand that you're never, you know, I, I have a session. I don't think I'm teaching it here, but I have a session on how to understand your wife. And I start that session by saying, now, I do not know anything about this subject, but I have studied it a little bit, and I'm going to share with you what I'm still learning, Okay. I don't know that I understand Sharon, but you know what? I want to. I have a desire to know her more because you know what? I learned a long time ago, the more I know her, the more I love her. And so marriage is not a formula. Marriage is not a fairy tale. Let's look at the third final final myth, all right? Oh. I didn't say this. I want to say it before I get there. There in 1 Peter 3, 7, where I said, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. It says um, that your prayers be not hindered uh, for your, oh, man, I'm, I've lost it now, heirs together the grace of life, something to that, close to that. You know what Sharon was before she was my wife? She was my sister in the lord we're heirs together is not it thank you give an honor to the that's actually dwell with them and give an honor to the wife of the weaker vessel being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered thank you um we're brother and sister in the lord for whoever husband and wife one of our grandchildren landed he's cute kid number four uh, all right all of our grandkids are numbered so if you ask them What's your number they can tell you all right and, and so he's number four so um, um he got saved maybe a year ago november will be a year or two years november two years and um and so he called me that night it was on saturday night he trusted christ as his savior at home with his mom and dad and he called me And the first thing he said to me he said papa i said yes landon he said we're brothers now i said yeah we are Before Sharon and I were husband and wife, we were brother and sister. Isn't it amazing? We sometimes treat our brothers and sisters in the Lord with greater respect than we treat our husband and wife. When I do that, boy, the Lord convicts me. You know, when I when I think I wouldn't have said anything like I just said to her to any other lady, but she's my sister. In the Lord so let's go to this last one now last myth love at first sight <laughs> we, we like this one now we 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 really do we, we like this one it, it just seems so sweet I I told you last night our, our story about how I first saw her and she didn't tell you uh, and that's why I didn't tell you because I knew I'd probably tell you in a session somewhere and uh, and, and we've been dating a little while and I think like three times. And, uh, and, and I did. I just knew this is it. This is a woman. This is it. You know, 16 years old, and I'm thinking I know everything. But anyway, you probably were like that too. Don't laugh at me. And, uh, and so on about the third day, I looked over at her. We stopped at that, what I found out later she called the sermon stop, that four-way stop about a mile from her mom and dad's house in the country. We were not worried about anybody coming up behind us and blowing the horn, okay? There hadn't been a car there in about three hours all right so so i'd open up the bible i'd pray all week lord what you want me to talk to sharon about on this date you know what can i correct in her life if she needs help with and um that's really the way i pray but this is probably not the right way but anyway um and so i'd be sharing devotional thought and so i'd share this devotion and i i looked over at her there and we sat in the front car front um seat of my car uh, 1970 ford grand torino Amen. And and so we're sitting there that had a roach in it, right? That's the only thing she remembers about. Roach climbed out from under the floorboard one night. Um, but, But I looked right over her and I said, Sharon, I just got to tell you something. She said, what's that? I said, I love you. And in the sweetness of the moment, she looked over at me and she said, I like you a lot. That's not what I wanted her to say. It's not what I was expecting her to say. But the truth is, she was smarter than I was. You know, I don't know where you are on dating and if you have children and those kind of things. We, we didn't allow our children to date until they got to college. We just, we don't think they're equipped to date. And of course, they would use that against us. You know, when I'd correct my sons at 17 years of age, you know, every once in a while they might say to me, Oh, yeah, that's right. Mom was married at this age. <laughs> and I can't go over to my friends and mom was already married I said she was so much more mature than you are <laughs> and um, and so but uh, you know you know I tell I told our kids I said don't give your heart i I was a youth pastor for 11 and a half years and I saw kids give their heart away a- every person they dated I love you I think I saw by the time you get to the marriage order you're going to have about that much of your heart left because you gave it to 42 other people you know I, I I'll, I'll probably talk to the guys tomorrow how led our boys how to eventually tell the girl that they're married to that they love her okay but um you know there's no love at first sight there may be infatuation there may be lust but but there's no love but because we have a wrong concept of love you, you will not find love mentioned in the Bible, and I challenge you, without sacrifice. Probably the most famous verse in all the Bible, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his son. True biblical love is caring as much for the person as you care for yourself and being willing to sacrifice yourself for them. So love at first sight is based on two false assumptions. Let's give them to you. I know you're getting near lunch. I can tell some of you men are hungry. All right. You say, how you know that? Because I am. All right. No, I'm not. We hit it first. Watch. Watch. <coughs> Number one, false assumption. That the physical is the only aspect of marriage that really matters. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Another thing I tell couples in that premarital counseling session, I said the biggest change on our wedding night was everything that had been no, no, no became yes, 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 <laughs> when it comes to the physical relationship, <laughs> you know. So, so uh, the physical is not unimportant, but it's not the most important. God made us a triune being, just like he is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He made us a try and be, what's, our, what's the three parts of man? Mind, body, soul. Huh? Mind, body, soul. Mind, body, soul. Body, soul body, soul, spirit. You know what? That's the way we all think. I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you another challenge in the Bible. You'll never find it without spirit first. It's always spirit, soul, body. But you know what we think? Because we're material, physical beings, we think body, soul, spirit. When, when you think body, soul, spirit, then what does it do? It puts body in first place. Now, now listen to me. Everybody's glad to have a good-looking husband, a handsome husband, a good-looking wife. You know, I've, I've never had anybody come up to me and say, uh, Pastor Ray, I want you to meet my ugly wife here. <laughs> Reminds me of the story of the old country boy went to the Parsons' house and said, I don't get married. He said, "How much you charge?" He said, "I, I don't have a charge, son. You just, you just give me what you think she's worth." So, he said, "Well, I'm gonna go get her and I'll come back." So he come back and they were all dressed up for the wedding, and uh, he he told the, told the parson right before it over, before starting, He said, "He go, here's two quarters." When when he lifted the veil to kiss him, the parson slipped him a quarter back. But anyway, uh, but but, male show this joke. But anyway, um, you know, but. You know, I never know anybody that thought their wife or husband was ugly. Or, but, but the phys- physical is going to change. Physical is not going to last. I, I promise you, you know, a woman has babies. Her body changes. There's, there's so many other things that change over the years. God never intended us to connect from the outside in. God intended for us to connect from the inside out. Our spirits. That, you know, that, that terminology in, in the, both the Old and New Testament sometimes may be a little deceiving. It's the terminology God uses, one flesh. But I believe that one flesh is not just physical. I believe it's spirit, soul, and body. We're, we're wed together in our spirit. That goes back to that point I made a while ago. Before we became husband and wife, we both had the Holy Ghost living in us. And so we're spiritually connected. Soul is that emotion. Psyche. Body is that physical. But, but the physical changes. Oh, it's important. It's, it's good. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. But, but it's not the ultimate. N- number two false assumption is that love is a feeling. Love is a feeling. <laughs> you, you know... Um, we, we've, we've been programmed in America and maybe other countries too. I've preached in countries but never lived in them. We, we've been programmed to think if I don't feel it anymore, I'm not committed anymore. I, I guarantee you, if, if Pastor Keeley and I just stood up today and began to talk we could tell the same stories with different faces. I, I remember I'd only been pastoring um, about a year, and I had a situation I had to deal with, which was a very delicate situation in our church with a couple. And so I called an older pastor. Before I became pastor, I asked five older men, could they be a council or advisors for me? So I call one and I start telling him about this situation. And you know what he does? He begins to tell me what that couple had told me in my study. He said and she said and he said and he said and she said. I said, have they called you and talked to you? There's somebody they would know. He said, no, Brother Tim. He said, "There's only one script. The devil wrote it, and people repeat it." I just don't. I just don't feel like I love him anymore. I just, I just lost it for her. You know what? Love's not a feeling. Give you that last statement right there, and we'll be through in just a minute. Love is a choice you know I don't even feel saved some days I don't want that ha- I don't know how that feels but you know I've heard people say oh I just yeah, yeah. I, I wake up some mornings it's kind of rough I tell people all the time you know these people jump up out of the bed glory hallelujah let's go you know I think all oh, the power of his resurrection maybe I can get up out of bed you know Love's not a feeling. Love's a choice. Love's commitment. We we won't take time to turn there, but once you write these verses down, you look at them later. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husband, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. There's another sacrifice in love. That's written to the church at Ephesus, right? When you get over... To the book of the Revelation, Jesus writes a letter to seven local churches. The first letter is to Ephesus. And when you get down to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4, write that verse down. Revelation 2, 4, Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. And this is what he says. Now, I understand primarily he's talking about our relationship with the Lord, But that relationship with the Lord in Ephesians 5 very much mirrors a husband-wife relationship. This is what Jesus said to the church. of Nevertheless, I have someone against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Outside of my love for Jesus Christ, this is the greatest love I have in life right here. This is it. And if I cease to love her, it's because I choose to cease to love her. I leave her. People don't lose their love for their husband or wife, they leave their love for their husband and wife. There are no perfect marriages. There's no love at first sight. There's no put this formula in the computer. There's no fairy tale. No fairy tale. No formula, no feeling. Love is a choice. And you know how often you have to make it? Every day. Every day I choose to love Sharon. Every day. And and when other temptations come, I choose to love Sharon. I told her for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and an health forsaking all others, keep only to her so long as we both shall live. There are no perfect marriages. So quit thinking we got on the wrong boat and just determine that when the torpedoes come and the storms arise, we're going to stay on the boat. Jesus is going to captain it. We're going to keep sailing. Would you bow your heads and let's close our eyes. Would you take your mate by the hand? You might want to just pray together a moment. I won't won't tell very long. But you might want to pray together. Commit yourself. Recommit yourself. To the Lord. To each other. Nobody I'd rather... Pray with my wife. I've told her, she knows it. I've told my children. Dad's ever on his deathbed, go get mama and have her pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the wonderful opportunity to be together. And Lord, we thank you because we are imperfect sinners who've been only redeemed by the grace of Jesus that we can have a happy home where you're Lord and supreme and where we're submissive and obedient. Help us today. Help me today, Lord. I would not pray for these couples and not pray for myself. Help me today to love Sharon like you love me. You gave your Give myself for my dear wife. Help these couples and strengthen us the rest of this day and tomorrow in the sessions, and Lord, in the days and weeks and months to come. In Jesus' name.